Hey, this is Gail Nelson. This is The Game of Life. Welcome to The Game of Life, Season 2, Episode Number 4, National Mentoring Month. We, Whenever I hear that song, I'm typically in a building not far from here, known as the AAA American Airlines Arena, and the man behind making sure everything, that entertainment experience is top-notch, is in the studio today. Mr. Michael McCullough, Executive Vice President, Chief Marketing Officer for the Heat Group. Michael, welcome to the Game of Life. Yeah, it's great to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you very much for playing that song. It gave me goosebumps. Let me tell you, <laughs> when I think about, again, the purpose of this show is really to highlight the positive impact of mentoring, to thank our partners, our donors, but also this month in particular, as we celebrate National Mentoring Month, it's only appropriate that we have champions in the building. And you have been a part of a two-time NBA championship team. Excuse me. Uh, see, that's why I'm the mark. Excuse me. Three times. <laughs> Get it right. Three times. Get help, it right. Help me out, brother. Help me out. <laughs> 2006, 12, 13. That is exact. I'm just sitting here thinking about 12 and 13. <laughs> Three-time NBA champion. I Excuse me, Heat Nation. I apologize profusely. Thank you, brother. But at the end of the day, when we think about mentoring impact, what I love about the Game of Life, this mentoring podcast, Michael, is the fact that we talk to folks about their journey, what brought them to not only South Florida, but what brought them to the team that they, they're on as well. And so I've heard you talk about your journey. It is profound. So tell us about your personal journey, Michael, and what brought you to the Miami Heat, the well, three-time NBA champion, Miami yeah, Heat, for right. the record. That's right, for the record. That's correct. So I'm uh, originally from Sacramento, California, and uh, grew up out there. My dad was in the Air Force, spent uh, 29 years in the, in the Air Force. And uh, my mom stayed at home while we had, uh, you know, I had five brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, we had a good life, right? You know, Air Force life, that sort of thing. But, you know, my, my dad wasn't rich. Uh, you know, we didn't get everything that we wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there was always kind of a premium placed on education. Uh, I grew into, uh, into athletics uh, as a young person, played baseball first and moved into football. Basketball was actually my last sport, and I, w I was awful at it. Uh, for a number of years before I, I got kind of good, but my sister could always beat me. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got better and uh, became a really good high school basketball player in Sacramento and had the opportunity to, uh, to look at different colleges for, uh, for basketball scholarships. And it was interesting because back, back at that time, you know, I really didn't have people kind of in my ear mm. talking to me about the schools I should be thinking about. Because, I was, because I'm in Northern California, I'm getting a lot of letters from schools in the Pac-10 I'm getting letters from places called Stanford and Cal. Mm, heard and, of those schools. And those schools, they were right. And at the time, you know, in my head, all I'm thinking about is, you know, I want to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really thinking about where should I really be going to school for the education part. So I really didn't pay attention to the letters from Cal and Stanford. And I wish I would have had somebody in my ear talking about, do you know what that that letter means right the there? Purpose of mentorship, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I ended up, not, not ended up, um, very, very grateful for the choice that I made. I went to Utah State University. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, I wanted to get away from, from, from California and have a college experience, but be close enough so my, my family could still see me play. We played a lot of games in California. So I, I went out there to school, and um, that was really a profound experience for me, one of the greatest things I could have ever done. I'm still very, very close friends with my, with my college coach, made best friends with, with people out there that are still friends to this day. 
but I, I just had an experience out there that um, you know the basketball was great, but it was all about the education. And in mm-hmm. fact, when I went on that visit, um, I had been on other visits to other schools, and uh, you know they, they take you to the gym and they mm-hmm. take you to the dorm, they show you all the cool places on campus. Uh, but when I got off the when I got off the the bus and the guy picked me up, the first place they took me was to the president of the school's office, and they sat me down and he said, um, you know, if you come here, you're you're not coming as a basketball player. You're coming here as a student athlete. Hmm. So I want to know what you want to study. I want to know what you want to be. Tell me about your school experience. I didn't see the gym till the second day, hmm. so I knew they placed a premium on education. Yes, that, that stuck with me. Uh, out of all the places that I went to. So I ended up choosing that school for, for that reason and for some other reasons, and really just a fantastic experience. The basketball was great. I got to see the country. Uh, I played in the NCAA tournament. I played in the NIT tournament. But about halfway through my college career, I realized um, that I was not going to be good enough to play in the NBA. Okay. And at that time of your life, you know, when you're, you know, you're a young buck and you're playing at their highest level, you invincible. think... Invincible. Yeah, exactly. You're invincible. And <clears throat> of course I'm going to make it to the NBA. I had to have that realization that I wasn't going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I made sure that I was you know, not going to waste my opportunity with that free education that I got. And I, I was already focused on school, but I doubled down. And I really would you know, take the extra effort. And when I was going on a road trip, is meet with the professors beforehand, get whatever the work was done, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I wanted to make sure I was going to graduate in four years. I was going to graduate with over a 3.2 GPA. These were goals that I set for myself. Um, and I was able to do that uh, and maintain, you know, the, the type of schedule that you have to maintain as a college athlete. So I was really, really, really happy with that. I graduated in 1984 from Utah State with a degree in political science and thought I was going to be the, the next governor of California. That literally was my goal. Um, and uh, We could use you in politics. Uh, well, you know, politics got really ugly, and I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm not so sure I want to go down that route. <laughs> So um, at, when I got out of school, I was I was uh, working in retail management and buying, and still actively playing, you know, basketball. And um, one day in the summer, and this was back in the late '80s, um, when guys like me could still play in the summer pro-am. So I was playing in the summer pro-am against uh, the people with the Kings. And after one of the games, and this was at a Sacramento City College, I go up into the stands, and I'm just sitting there, like watching the next game. And I'm just sitting in the stands, minding my own business. And this older uh, white gentleman comes up and he, and he sits right next to me. And, and I'm kind of looking around because there's a lot of seats in this gym. <laughs> and he just, you know, sat probably too close than I would think. But he sat next to me and he struck up a conversation with me just kind of out of the blue. And uh, he just started asking me about my background and, uh, you know, what I was about and what I did, what I studied in school and what I'm doing now. And, and we ended up chatting for like an hour. Wow. And at the end of the conversation, he says to me, oh, by the way, uh, my name is Joe Axelson. I'm the president of the Sacramento Kings, and I was really impressed with you. And uh, if I ever had a job at the Kings, would you be interested in working for us? And I, so I said, sure. You know, and he got up and he left. And I figured that that was his way of kind of extricating himself from the conversation. Like, Absolutely. How, how am I going to close this conversation right. out? Let me, let, me, let me throw this line out and get out of here. But six months later, I got a call from, from his secretary. She You're said, kidding me. She said, Joe A. wants to know if you wanted to come in for an interview. He's got a job. And I was like, sure. So I went in and, and uh, interviewed with Joe, and I got the job uh, working for the Sacramento Kings. And that was back in uh, February 1st, 1988, is uh, my first day on the job uh, in the NBA. Incredible. And here I am now, uh, 30, 31 years later, still, still in the game. So sitting in the stands, plenty of seats. Yep. 
you are interviewed. Little did you know. Right. The job interview occurred right there. Yes. So for our listening audience, these young people that may not look somebody in the eye, may not speak to someone, uh, tell them, can you please get up and move? You just lost that job that you didn't know you were being interviewed for. Yeah. There's so many <clears throat> life lessons there. Let me tell you, I just, I just, this is so funny. Uh, yesterday at the arena, we had a game, <clears throat> and one of the groups that was at the game were, were a group of uh, DECA students, which okay. is like the marketing program yes. for Broward County. They're about 500 kids. And so I'm talking to the 500 kids yesterday as part of their program, and I actually recount the story. And so I recounted the story exactly as I just told it to you. And then I said, now let me tell that story today. Let me tell you how that story <laughs> would go down today. So I said, today I'd go to the game and I'd be sitting in the stands. And the first thing I would do is I'd be pulling my phone out. That's right. And I'd be knee deep in my phone and somebody would sit next to me. And I would look at them as if, why are you sitting so close to me? And he'd try to talk to me and I would give one syllable answers or one word answers because I'm uh, immersed in YouTube. And, or I'm looking at my Instagram feed, and I wouldn't pay attention. And by the time this gentleman tried to have this conversation, he would get frustrated, and he would have walked away. And my opportunity to have the best job and the best life I ever could have imagined would have walked away as well. The art of conversation. I mention this all the time. Just You, you had a discussion with him for about an hour. An hour. Said. Total stranger. Yes. Never met him before in your life. Never. Your first job in NBA as a result of that conversation generational difference uh, <clears throat> age difference yes. race difference upbringing everything and we we chatted for an hour uh mostly he again i didn't know it but yeah he was interviewing yes, me he and, was. and i don't know what made him come and sit by me um i don't know what in, made him engage with me the way that he did um but he he and he actually turned out to be and i, I didn't know this word back then but when i got that job he turned out to be my mentor he would he would call me into his office and the thing about Joe Axelson was he'd been in the NBA since the very beginning, since the 50s. He's an old man, and he knew about the NBA from the George Mikan days. I mean, he'd wow. been in the NBA that long. And so he would call me into my office, and he would, uh, he would yell out, hey, big time. <laughs> and I walked into his office once. I was like, why, why are you calling me big time? He's like, I, because cause you're going to make it big time. That's awesome. So he would call me big time. And so he'd say, big time, come in here. And I'd come in his office, and we'd be sitting just like you and I are right now, and he would just – share information with me. He would just drop knowledge on me about his life in the NBA, about, about what I should expect, what should I do. And the best piece of advice he ever told me was, well, two great things he told me. The first thing was, the players are not your friends. At the time I got my job, I was 27. And so that's about the age, the NBA players. And he says, look, you're in that age group. Um, you're fashionable. You like music and all that sort of stuff. There's no reason why you shouldn't be friendly with the players. I said, but, but they're not your friends. I said, at some point in time, you're going to have to tell them what they have to do, and they're going to have to respect you. And if you're out with them the night before, and the next day you come in, and now you want to try to be their boss and tell them what to do, they're not going to respect you. They're not going to respect you at all. Incredible advice. So you, you, you can be friendly, and you can have a cordial relationship, but you cannot be their friend. And I've carried that with me through, throughout my entire career. So I'd say, like, if, if Dwayne Wade walked in this door right now, right now, we would greet each other warmly, yes, shake hands, do the hug, the whole deal, maybe exchange some pleasantries, and that would be about it. Here, here's a perfect example. Um, I go day before yesterday. I get off work. 
I go to my nail salon to go get a manicure pedicure because right. yes, modern men. Smooth brother. And <laughs> I, I go to check in, and there's a little bit of a wait, and I'm not paying attention, and I hear somebody call my name. And I look up, and it's Hassan Whiteside is getting a pedicure, him and his girlfriend. And um, so I go over, and we just make small talk, like, hey, how often do you come here, that sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. Shake hands, walk away. That's good. That's right. That's good. No, no disrespect, no anything, but it's just like that's, that's the relationship that I have to have with the players. Maintaining those boundaries. That's exactly right, and that's not the way it is at a lot of teams. A lot of teams, you know, people in my position, you know, they go in the locker room, and they're, you know, hanging out and all that sort of stuff, and I was taught from a very young part of my career, like, by that your is, mentor. That is not the way to conduct yourself in this business if you want to succeed and you want to have a nice long career. The players are not your friends. Is your mentor, is he still alive? No, he's, he passed away. Um, and it was really a sad day for me when he passed. How long ago was that? He passed away about 10 years ago. About 10 years ago. Yeah, so I, I was already here in Miami. And um, um, and it's funny, uh, the, way it, the way I ended up getting here, um, his name was Joe Axelson. And the Kings came from, from Kansas City to Sacramento. Okay. And when they came from Kansas City to Sacramento, you know, a lot of people came with them. Well, his son, David, was um, ran the broadcasting department, but he had one of those big, booming voices. So he was actually the, the public address announcer for the Kings as well. So when the Miami Heat started down here in 88, David actually left Sacramento and came down here, and he was the public address announcer for the Miami Heat. Wow. And so him leaving Sacramento opened up the broadcasting position. So one day, Joe A. calls me in, big time, come in here. And he sits me down. He says, I'm going to make you the director of broadcasting. And I said, Joe, I, I don't know anything about broadcasting. <laughs> I don't, uh, the only thing I knew about broadcasting was you flip this switch and the TV turns on. That's right. I knew nothing about how the game would be happening in an arena and it could end up on my television. Like I had no clue about broadcasting and te broadcast technology. I said, why, why do you want me giving me this job? He says, because I, I think you can do it. That's all he said to me was, I think you can do it. Go do it. And so I said, okay, well, look, if he thinks I can do it, then I'm going to prove him right. And so I just dove headfirst into learning how about broadcasting. I spent that whole summer down in San Francisco in the production truck for the San Francisco Giants just sitting there watching how the game gets on the air. Incredible. I learned about you know, satellite <coughs> technology, spent time with the cable operators and cable providers, just, just immersed myself in broadcast, found out about negotiating contracts with announcers and how to negotiate contracts with cable providers and, and um, um, uh, television networks. I just dove in. The whole nine yards. Just dove in. And um, so I, I'm doing that job and for, for two years. And at the, in the middle of my second year, I get a call from this gentleman named John Kozner. And at the time, John was the senior vice president of broadcasting at the NBA. And I got to know him, obviously, through my job because all the teams kind of report into the league office. And John says to me, hey, Michael, I have a job here in New York, and you're the only person I want to talk to about it. And I was like, well, why is that? And he said, well, look, when they put you in that position, you knew nothing about broadcasting. And here we are, you know, two months later, and you are the best director of broadcasting <laughs> in the NBA. You asked the right questions. You weren't afraid to ask questions. You're always on time with everything that needs to be submitted. Your contracts are filed properly. You know, you've already negotiated good contracts. Like, that's the kind of person I want in the league office. So I, I went to New York, and I, I, I interviewed with David Stern, uh, who was the commissioner at the time. Sure, sure. And um, I got the job. And uh, I never thought I was going to live in Manhattan. And I pick up and I move from Sacramento to uh, to Manhattan. 
And at the time, the NBA was really tiny. It was um, when you walked in, they gave you uh, your number, and that was your employee number. And I was number 247. There were only 247 people at the league office at that time, and now we're, they're well over 1,000 people. Right. So it was, it was a small place. But again, it was like there was another opportunity that I, I didn't know I was being watched. You know, I didn't know John was paying that kind of attention to me. And when he called me to say that you're the only person I want to talk to about this job, again, I was kind of like, you know, why? Uh, I was caught off guard. But that was another opportunity that, again, I, you, you don't know when those opportunities are there. No doubt about it. You but just it, don't know. But the nucleus of all of this and how appropriate on the game of life where everybody makes a team but how you play is up to you, it all goes back to your mentor. Right, right. Who got you in the arena, if you will, mm-hmm. the contact, the league, and then from there, saw something in you that you never even thought about. Right. Pushed you, gave you the nickname, Big Time. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool nickname, <laughs> right? too, Michael. Right. So Big Time, I think I'm making you, I'm putting you in position to succeed. Right. And so for everybody listening, we're here with Michael McCullough, Executive Vice President, CMO of the Heat Group, uh, the partnership that just continues to uh, impress me, that continues to just... Uh, remind me of what good corporate citizenship looks like from the Miami Heat. Michael is letting us know about his mentor, what it's done for him. But let me just ask you this, Michael, about the NBA brand. Yes. Because you clearly have told us about your mentor. The NBA has gone through significant changes. How important is giving back to the NBA, but more specifically to the Miami Heat? Uh, well, look, it's critical. I mean, that's you and I are sitting here having this conversation because of our relationship. And yes. Our relationship with Big Brothers and Big Sisters is critically important. Uh, as you know, I've, I've been a mentor. I've been a big for a long time. Yes. I, I absolutely love the program. Um, and I, I'm, I'm in conversation with the, the two littles that have matriculated through the program. Uh, but in the last week, I've talked to both of them. Um, I had one of them at the game. He came and sat with me. I mean, we have that kind of relationship. And now I'm on my third little right now, and a young man who's a junior um, at Jackson uh, Senior High School. And we have this great really great relationship for I gotta say you guys do a great job with the matching you know you 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 figure out you got this secret sauce There's where you secret put the, sauce we're gonna go into that on the air <laughs> we know the, what we're doing you put the two people together and it's like there there's a reason why we're we're matched together uh so for for me personally um you know that that's an important program and and for us as an organization um, you know, I just told you on the way in. I just I just came from um, a, a basically an impromptu event yes. um, that we planned in in about a day, um, where we went out and we fed uh, the Coast Guard this morning uh, because of the government shutdown. And yes. clearly, there are people who are working and not being paid, and we want to show our appreciation for what they're doing. And I sent an email to the staff asking for volunteers, and I and I said in the in the, in the email, look, we know this is not our fault and we can't we can't solve all of society's problems i said but we can put a smile on these people's faces That's this right. morning and take them out of their situation for just a short period of time and if we can do that then that's our responsibility and we should do that so i hope you'll come and join me and we had more people volunteer that we could handle we had to actually turn people away and after i get done with you on the podcast today i'm driving over to miami international airport and we're going to do the same thing with the tsa people so look, we, we recognize that we have a we have a platform and that we've been we've been blessed with an opportunity. We're a game, right? Our, our guys play a game, and the fact that we can make a living and be a part of people's lives because of this this game that we're involved in, you know, there's a lot more people who are who have a far more serious 
jobs and their jobs have more serious ramifications than what I do. I recognize that. But what I also recognize is that we, um, because of this, this sport and because of what it means to people in a community, we have a, we have a, a bond with these people. And yes. we also have a responsibility to those very same people who support us to support them in whatever way, shape, or form that takes. Sometimes that's going to be a simple, you know, financial donation. Sometimes that's going to be our own sweat, our own, you know, sweat equity that we're going to put into something. But whatever way in which we can find a, a way to, to give back to the South Florida community and, and sometimes broader, broader and beyond the South Florida community, that, that's our responsibility. And so we, we do that. Community fairs rolls up under me. Uh, we've been very aggressive with our community fairs since I got here, and it's um, – the thing that makes me the most proud. I mean, we, we've done some really great things, and a lot of things that people, unless you're involved in that particular activity, you may never know about. That's it. right. But we've done some things that literally just brought me to tears, just literally just reduced me to, to tears to see the impact that we can have on people. I'll, I'll share one one quick story. Um, when we had the big three, you know, we had so many. You know, we already have a ton of people requesting things from us, but when your when your team is at that kind of level of profile. Then you the the, the request and, and everything just just doubles and triples just just multiplies because people they, they just want to be a part of it and they see you as this this this, this beacon and they they just want some of that right. larger you know? than life they want some of that in their life yes and so um, you know we we always we, we work very closely with the Make a Wish people like very very closely yes and most of the time we do those things we we don't they're they're not for public publicity we we just do them because those those kids and those families yes they need that and uh, during that era we were we were just inundated with with these requests from all over the world and so we said you know what we we're going to take a day and we're going to commit our entire organization to make a wish and we are going to get as many kids and families down here as possible and we are going to give them the, the wish that they're asking for and so we took we took probably 40 or 50 make-a-wish families and everyone was paired up with an employee and that employee was their 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 I don't want to even use the word chaperone. We were their friend for the day. Right. And we took them through and this incredible tour of the building, and we just spent this time with them. But then we took them into the locker room. And in the locker room, all the kids had jerseys with their names on them. We took pictures and everything, and, and that was cool. Yeah. But then we took them out into the bowl, the main arena, and it was dark. And we turned on the spotlight, and we turned on – Seven Nation Army. There you go. And we introduced each of those children one at a time with Michael Biamonte, our PA announcer. And they ran through a tunnel of our players who high-fived them all, and they all got their jerseys. They all had their jerseys with the name on it. And then the players took them through this incredible, incredible <clears throat> time on the court. And I tell you, when, you know, not a single camera in there. Nobody knew what was going on. And I'm 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 engaged. I'm engaged with my family, and I'm watching all this. And I'm literally just standing over in the corner, just tears just streaming down my face, because the parents and these kids, like the kids were, they were just kids for a minute. That's right. They're just kids. But the parents, just to see the look on the parents' face. I, I'm a parent of five kids. I understand what that means to see your child, you know, happy. It it was just just an amazing event that 
because we're part of this sport that we can bring that kind of experience to people. No doubt about it. You know, so I just make it a point that, that everybody that works for me, everybody that works for the Heat Group, they really understand, like, we have a responsibility here because we have this platform and we have to not be willing to give back. Like, we should be actively searching for opportunities to do these things. And so that's what we do. Well, let me just brag on the Heat Group for just a minute. I mean, what you all have done, I mean, the example you give in terms of just making a child smile. Mm-hmm take your mind off of just some of the reality you have to deal with every single day, the hurt, the pain, the challenges, socioeconomically and otherwise. Just this month, I was over at the the arena a couple nights ago for her time to play. Right. Incredible heat staff. The staff were incredible from your department and and others uh, that were just talking about telling young ladies, you can have the confidence. We had little sisters sitting there Mm -hmm. hearing professionals that are in the league working for the heat group, uh, some on the court, some off the court, but it was all about it's your time. Right. You can be anything you want to be in this quote-unquote male-dominated sport. Mm-hmm. Don't ever question your ability. Right. A month ago, if you know, a couple weeks back, I should say, I'm um, on the court. We honored. We had a night of champions mm-hmm. uh, during the game. The Heat won that night. Great victory. Uh, but not only that, uh, we were able just to at center court. And these were adults. These were bigs, and some of our corporate partners as well that we just honored. Uh, you all have hosted our gala. Uh, the Miami Heat has consistently been a school-to-work workplace mentoring. You talked about your littles. I'm going to come back to that. Yeah. You guys are mentoring every single month high school students uh, in partnership with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and that's motivated other NBA teams. NBA Cares had a recent conference call. The Miami Heat was the feature in one of your staff, Eric right. Torres over there. Shout out to Eric and the entire uh, Ralph Leon and Leon Bacacci, all the guys over at the Heat group. But they talked about what you all are doing. So not only are you making a difference here in South Florida, the Miami Heat, the Heat Group, what you all are doing, Michael, is you're setting an example nationwide for the entire NBA. So for that, I thank you. I thank Eric Woolworth. I know he's out sick today. Uh, Shout out to Eric Woolworth, president of the Heat Group as well. Just thank you for what you guys are doing because it's sincere. I appreciate that. And and it really starts from the top with Mickey Harrison, who who is the owner of the franchise. And, And how he looks at the Heat is we are a community asset. Yes. You know, we are a community asset that uh, exists for the benefit of our community. And, you know, yes, he owns Carnival Cruise Lines and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, he, he doesn't take any, uh, any money out of his team. Everything goes right back into the team and into the operation, into the organization. So we can do exactly what you're talking about. It's sincere. Very humble. Yeah. And we take, we, we take great pride in it, but we don't puff our chests out. Right. We do the work because it's the work that needs to be done. And we enjoy doing it, and uh, we look for the next opportunity. We're always looking for the next opportunity to help somebody. As you, and certainly shout out to Mickey Harris and the generosity of the partnership. You know, you talk about the big three. You know, my big three in my world, it's the Heat, Carnival, and Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Right. Now, you were talking about a big three. You were talking about some, something else, some, right? Some other thing. Some, some other thing. It's some little... <laughs> you talk about being a big brother, Michael, and we've sit together uh and interview kids for scholarships in different contexts. And we get a chance to hear their stories every single day. And it's humbling, very humbling, what these kids going to school every day and what they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. What has being a big brother not only meant to you, but what has it taught you? A lot of folks tell me, they sign up, I want to change a child's life. I want to be Superman. I want to come in, I'm coming from Wakanda. And I'm going to come in and just change this child's life. <laughs> 
but it's what they teach us. Exactly. What has been, now you have, now let's uh, go back just a little bit. You've had three. I've had three. I'm on my third right now. Now your first little brother, where is he now? Gene Vilpin is my my first little. And, you know, when Gene came to me, this here, here's this kid with this boundless personality. Yes. And energy and no focus whatsoever, <laughs> you know? And so I had to had to try to get Gene focused and get that energy channeled and, 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 we did, and Gene was awarded one of the scholarships. He went to FAMU for four years. Shout out to the Rattlers. Got, shout out to the Rattlers. Got his degree up there. Uh, went up to FSU, and he's finishing his master's degree in music. And now Gene is back here in Miami. He, uh, he is teaching music at uh, Beach High. How about that? And he is in the Heat Street Band. Look at that. And most importantly, you know, he always wanted to be in the music business, and he is. He, If you search on iTunes right now for Jay Vilpin, you're going to see three or four albums pop up. You go to Spotify, you're going to see his music. We're going to, like, we're going to blast him out to Jay Vilpin on Spotify. Jay right? Vilpin on Spotify. Like, dudes made it. That's all right. We're going to get him to our national conference, maybe. Big Brothers Pictures of America. I know they're listening to me. Yep. So, Jay Vilpin, we may get a little brother. Again, mentor, education, progression, success, and now he's in the Heat Street team as well. Right? Exactly. And I, and I mentioned him in our interview session because we had a young man who said, I'm, I want to be in the music business. Right. I'm like, here you go. We get to pass that along. There's that lineage that comes from Big Brothers Big Sisters, it, you know, tying everybody together. So here's another opportunity for him as as a little who went through the program and is now right. being successful in life. This could be an opportunity for him to pay so, him to pay it back. So little brother number one, master's degree, master's degree, teaching music yep. back in South Florida. Yep, Con- still connected with this big brother. What did he teach you? Oh, jeez. One uh, word. Give me, give me one word. What did Gene patience. teach you? Patience. Patience. L- let's talk about little brother number two. David Javier. David Javier. Comes to me. Super composed young man. <laughs> Fashionable, quiet. Again, not really focused. But you could tell from the first day I met him, like, he's a really bright kid. Like, really bright kid. He's got a good home life, but he just wasn't sure about what he wanted to do. I'm like, David, man, you are sitting, you're sitting on a gold mine, dude. You got this personality. You have the smarts. Let, let, let's 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 get you focused. Right. Let's get you focused. So we spent the next three years getting David focused, telling him how important school is, coming to games with me, experiencing kind of all that and seeing what I do. He got he got focused. He got motivated. Again, another opportunity to get the scholarship. David is awarded the scholarship. Spending his first two years right now at Miami Dade. Very good. Uh, I just had him at the game over the holidays, and David says to me, "Well, first of all, David sends me his grades every grading period. How about that? Every grading accountability. Period, I get his grades, and he's and he's so proud of his grades. And he wants me to know that he's doing what I I talked about. That's special. So um, says to me, guess what? Put in my papers, transfer into FIU. Okay. So he's uh, he's excited about that. So he's doing his two years at Miami Dade. He's going to FIU in the fall. Super excited about it. The kid is focused. Um, and now, because, um, you know, I always talk to him about exercise and, and, and fitness and all that sort of stuff, when I saw him at the game, I'm like, David, look at you. He's now this <laughs> – he's huge. He says, you got me so interested in fitness, now I'm going for my first triathlon. That's incredible. You know, so he's, he, he has grown and, you know, doing his thing. Mentoring so, feels good and looks good on you. Exactly. So what has David taught you? Ah, jeez, David. You're helping a kid, but they're helping you too. Yeah, no, look, David – and I guess I, I didn't say that I have five kids of my own, so it's <laughs> right. not like it's not like I haven't been through the kid thing. But these these young men that yes. I've been able to work with, they all teach me something different. Yes. And, and, and with David, you know, um, Gene was patience, um, but David was like um, 
not so much compassion, but it was like this um, finding this finding something deeper kind there of you inside go. yourself. That's, yes. You know, to to dig in a little deeper and find out like how do I reach this? How do I reach this young man? Because again, he was very sharp, and you know, was on the ball, but again, just wasn't kind of focused. There's still something there you needed to tap into. And and each of these young men are completely different. Yes. Like they're so different. But they each kind of, you know, they, they, they all have that something in there That's that right. you can you can see and you're just you're trying to scratch at it and peel back the onion and mm-hmm. scratch, scratch out. How can I get to that spot? That's right. One size doesn't fit all. There's yeah. in, a, in every relationship, I say this all the time in the Big Brothers Because context, no two relationships are alike. No. Unique relationships. And now your current little brother Who's that young That's man? That's Donovan Bowens. Donovan and Bowens. again, the, the, the matches. I mean, Donovan was me when I was Donovan's age. Oh, my goodness. Tall, skinny kid who plays basketball, and that's all he wants to talk about. That was exactly me. <laughs> when I met Donovan for the first time, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm walking into the room. Like, it's me. <laughs> you know? Uh, but but Donovan's the same way. Like, you know, he's focused on, on, on the sport. And, um, you know, hurt his knee a little bit in basketball. And so I, I told him, I was like, you know, I, I, I did the same thing. I started running track when I was in high school. And, you know, maybe that's something you should think about. So now Donovan is on the track team as well. That's excellent. And um, taking it really seriously. But the first thing we do when we come in my office is like, okay, here, you, you take my chair, wheel up to the computer, show me your grades. Pull, pull yourself up, up on the report. And the first few times he did it, he, he was embarrassed. He, he didn't really want to do it. And I was like, no, this, this, this is one of the things that we're going to talk about every time that you're here is what's happening in your student portal. So we go through his student portal all the time. And last time, last, last week when he was in the office, soon as we walk in, he's like, let, let me show you my grades. Love it. Let me show you my grades. And he goes up to the portal and like, I'm like looking at last nine weeks and I'm looking at this nine weeks. I'm like, look at that improvement. I said, and, and you can just see his chest is puffing out and the pride because there's some significant improvement. And he's like, look at my GPA. I'm mm-hmm. looking at his GPA. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're on your right track. And I show him um, the book that we have of the scholarship application. Absolutely. And I said, here's you next year because he's a junior. I said, this is you next year. You're going to be in here. You're getting them ready. And I said, I'm going through this process right now. And these kids are focused. They're driven. And I said, there's 30 kids and there's 15 scholarships. And I said, I want you to be one of these kids. Your first little brother taught you patience. Your second little brother taught you compassion. You just reinforce that. And now your current little brother, what's he teaching you? I mean, this work is still in process. We yes, understand yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Um, this is about drive. This, drive, this is yeah. about instilling that, instilling that drive in somebody. Absolutely. And see, seeing it come to life. That's right. Because, you know, again, Donovan, you know, Mom and dad are, are at the house. He's got a sister, and you know he's got a really great home life. So he's got a really good support system. Absolutely. And so sometimes you just need to need to be that extra person or that other voice that's, that's right that's pushing. But it's interesting that you said. Excuse my interruption, mm-hmm. Michael. But it, when you think about your story, you just said that was you walking in the office. Oh, absolutely. And look at this full circle podcast. Right. Watch this. That was you sitting in those stands. Right. Somebody saw something in you talk to you, challenge you to do something you had never probably, maybe you might have thought about it, but put you in the arena. He's thinking about basketball. Right. Donovan. Right. And now you're like, hold on a second. He goes from embarrassment, embarrassed to excited yes. about his grades. Absolutely. Put me in that seat. Let me show you what's going on now. Right. Michael, 
one last question for you. As I think about the young men, the Donovans out there, the Davids, the Jeans that are in need of a big brother, your, your mentor, Joe, correct? Yes. What Joe did for you is blessing South Florida. Mm-hmm. What you're, you've done with and for these young men is blessing our community as well. There are men, uh, women volunteer at a rate of three to one compared to men. Three to one. Right. This thing with men and commitment. Right. But mentoring, we're going to market that. Dang. If you know anybody in marketing, you need to help <laughs> me with that. Mentoring. Right. What would you say to the guys that are out there listening? Because we're on a, a, Apple Podcasts now. We're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. This game of life. We're going to continue to send the message and let people know that, you know, the NBA brand, solid. The Heat brand, solid. Big Brothers, because it's all working together to help our communities here and nationwide. Right. But what's your message to the guys that are listening? Heat Nation mm-hmm. and anybody that we listen to this podcast about, I want to help, but I don't think I can. I don't know. I'm not qualified. What's your message? Because you are a seasoned big brother. I don't want to swear, but I was going to say, get, get, <laughs> off, get off your butt. Just do it. Because, number one, you, you, you're needed. And you might not think you have what it, what it takes, but, but you do. Because in actuality, it, it doesn't take that much. It takes your, your time. It takes your interest. And it takes your willingness to be able to, to help someone. And I, I, I remember before I got in the program, I was worried. Because, again, I, I have five children of my own. Yes. Right? So I had, and they were, they were younger than they are now. Mm-hmm. And when, um, you know, Linda Cole came and, and described the, the program, and um, I was like, you know, it sounds like something I want to do, but I'm not going to have the time. I got my job, and I got this, and I got and You're that. a little busy. I'm busy. But I was like, you know what? And I, <clears> I did. I thought exactly like what you, what you just said. I said, so, somebody went out on a limb for me. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm sitting in this chair and even having this opportunity. Some, somebody went out on a limb for me. I need to go out on a limb for somebody else. I need to give somebody the opportunity that I was given. It may not be in the same way, right? but I need to open somebody else's doors. And I could do that through this program. I knew I could make a, make a difference. I could connect with, with these young men. And yeah, Every month when, when, you, when Donovan or Gene or David would come, we'd have that connection. Yes. We'd have that connection. And it, I, I don't want to paint like a, like a, like a, a storybook or like a, like a fantasy I'll picture. I'll give them the real. You know, it's not like, you know, the, the, like you don't have moments where it's, it's, it's tough or right. that sort of thing. But that's it's life. not just life. That's life. That's right. You know, and they need to see that. It's not like you're the, the, um, the Disneyland mentor <laughs> and you're like, everything's got to be great. No, you got to take some time and just listen and, and have conversations and talk about life and share your story and share your journey so that they can see themselves in you a little bit. And it doesn't matter. You know, um, Gene is African-American. David's Hispanic. Yes. Donovan's African-American. It, it doesn't matter. You, know, you, don't have to, you don't have to be hooked up with somebody who's like you. That's exactly right. You know, you need to be hooked up with somebody who, who needs you. And what you're going to end up finding out is no matter what your situation is, you're, you are going to need them as well. You're going to benefit as well by spending that time with these kids. And when I went to David and Jean's high school graduations, you know, they invite me to the graduation. And they're so proud that I come and want to make sure I meet their parents and their family and their friends. Like I'm part of their family. 
you know, I'm part of the family now. Mentoring his family. Yeah, absolutely. The Heat's family. Michael, it's always a pleasure. We'll be hanging out all day on Monday, yes. interviewing some more kids with scholarships. Can't wait. But one of the things that I just want to say one more time for the, all of our listeners, the Heat Group's making it happen. The NBA brand is strong. The Heat Group, it, the Miami Heat, incredible, incredible. Three times. Three times. See how I got that? So you got to close right. <laughs> Three time NBA champion Miami Heat. And so as we think about giving back, we think about the game of life where everybody makes a team, but how you play is up to you. Thank you for what you're doing, brother. Absolutely. You're happy, making it happy happen. Happy to do it. Happy I've to be And because I just, you love music, I, I switched my closing song for you as well because I know how much it means to you, brother. But the bottom line is this. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody can do something. The cost of doing nothing is far too high. Be a champion for a kid today. Step out. Go out on that limb. And what you'll find is they're going to teach you more than you ever thought you'd give. Let's go. This is the Game of Life.